0: Hey smart mamas, welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits.
1: Relationships. Finance. Mental
0: health. Rick. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way, hold way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> hey, Smart Mama's, welcome back to an episode of Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups. I'm here with Ellen and Lacey. Hi. Hey. And we also have some special guests of our very own SRNAs. We have Morgan Fitter and Cynthia Shen. I probably butchered that, you guys. How did I do? You did great on mine. I'm impressed.
2: <laughs> my name is a little easier to say, so great job.
1: I think I butchered my last name the first time I heard it, so... <laughs>
3: Oh, this is your married name?
1: It is. Yes. Oh, what, what,
3: was, my, what was your maiden name? Was it easier?
1: McIntyre. Oh, that's
3: way easier.
0: It's just like, yeah. a, it's like a mouthful. <laughs> but anyway, we wanted to talk to these ladies today because they are in anesthesia school. They are moms. They're married. And they're trying to get it done and juggle everything. And we just kind of wanted to talk to them about how they are getting through it
2: all. So, what year are both you, ladies? So, this is Cynthia. I am at LSU Health New Orleans, and I'm a senior. I graduate on May 13th. Oh my God! So <clears throat> hey, you're almost done. That's like oh the home stretch. How's it feel? It feels exciting, but there are times when I'm in the OR and I feel really nervous because I'm like, oh, like this is. I'm not going to have someone to call if I have a question. I mean, I will, but it's different from a student standpoint. I go back and forth between being like super excited and like ready to get on work and being like, oh, maybe I need the training wheels for just a little bit longer. No, no you
0: we're ready. And it's such an accomplishment in itself to, you know, achieve a doctorate degree, but how many kids do you have? I have one. And you went into the program pregnant or? No,
2: thankfully she was out by the time the program started. I was 33, 32 weeks pregnant when I went to interview. And then when the program started, she was seven or eight months. Okay.
0: So at least you got, you got through that hurdle yes. of childbirth
2: yes. and everything. Yes. Did you like hide it for the interview? I didn't have a choice. Like she, I kind of gained it all. Like I'm really short. I'm only five feet tall. And so it just, there was nowhere to go, but out. So yes. I remember distinctively having a meltdown in the middle of Macy's because I couldn't find anything that was like professional enough to wear to an interview that I didn't want to spend like hundreds of dollars on. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to be able to wear it again when I'm not pregnant. So that was a bit of that. I had a moment in the middle of Macy's (laughs) called my husband sobbing, saying I couldn't fit into anything. So, so let's like introduce these ladies and just
4: see like um, what your stories are. Now I've got children yelling at me, Cynthia, let's start with you tell us your story. Did you want to go to anesthesia school? And like, kind of tell us like how you're progressed on this track. Like, did you want to have children and then like also want to go to anesthesia school and they just happened to happen at the same
2: time? How did this like happen for you? Yeah. Yeah. So I did not go into nursing knowing that I wanted to pursue a career in anesthesia. I was very blessed to work on a great uh, neuro trauma ICU, loved my job, loved my coworkers. And after about six or seven years, I was kind of like, you know, I kind of want to go back to school. Like I just, I enjoy learning new things and I enjoy studying and I enjoy being in a traditional classroom. And I'm like, what else, you know, can I do? And so I had the privilege of shadowing a CRNA at the facility I worked with and an acute care nurse practitioner. Both were moms, both very happy with their jobs and just you know, seemed to have like a great work-life balance. And at the time, I think my husband and I were seriously dating, but not like engaged or married yet. Um, but I knew in the future that I wanted to have kids. So I'm like, this this might be a good fit, you know, to kind of pursue a career where I can have a little bit more control over my hours and still, you know, get back into the classroom and learn learn some new things. So CRNH school just seemed like a natural progression, building on the knowledge that I had in the ICU. The timing of my pregnancy and anesthesia school wasn't really planned. I had initially applied in 2016 to a couple schools and did not get accepted that first time. So I told my husband, I said, you know, I don't want to wait in case something happens and I don't get it again. I don't want to wait to start our family. And by then we'd been married for about three, three and a half years. So we knew we were ready. So I was like, you know what, let's just, let's just pull the goalie and, and see what happens. So we were blessed to get pregnant, have a healthy healthy daughter. Her name is Madison. She's three and a half. And during that time when I was pregnant, I'm like, well, let's, you know, finish my BSN online and apply to some more schools a second time. So I applied in 2017 and was accepted to LSU. And I started in May of, so she was, I got accepted, I think probably September of 2017. And then October of 2017, she was born. So a lot of good news in a short amount of time. And then in May of 2018, I started the program.
4: Wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. That is a lot lot to happen in a short period of time, but it's really exciting. And, you know, anesthesia as the three of us all love it. And we're so excited to have you guys in our field as well. Morgan, why don't you um, give us a little background on your story? Yeah, thank you again for inviting us to
1: this podcast. I've been excited ever since you guys reached out and mentioned it, but it's kind of funny how similar Cynthia and I's stories are. Like Cynthia, I had no plans to go on to anesthesia school when I first entered into the nursing world. I actually entered into the nursing world as an LPN. I was accepted my first year into college into the LPN program because I had taken some classes in high school and a local college. I had applied to an LPN program. I found out I got in, finished that the first year I was an LPN by 19 years old and I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) I just knew that I wanted to be in nursing and that was it. And so I worked for a couple of years as an LPN. I worked in the local emergency room the med surge. And then I worked at a doctor's office for a little bit. That is shortly shortly after that time period, I met my husband and he lived in Minnesota at the time. We actually met. That's a story for another day, but we met on a spring break trip in, <laughs> in college. So I was trying to go on for my RN at the time, ended up getting into an RN program, finished that. And then right after I finished, um, that was an ADN program. I moved up to Minnesota where he was. And I, shortly after I moved up there, he actually, I was having a hard time finding a job up there that I wanted because I wanted to be in the hospital. All of the hospitals up there only accepted BSN because they were magnet status. So at the time I felt as if I just settled for some other jobs, but it was all as you guys know, any experience is great experience as a nurse. And, you know, it was just baby steps at that time. Right after I had moved up there, we found out he actually had testicular cancer. So that kind of threw a loop into things. Couldn't find the job that I wanted. Realized at the time, I thought, well, wow, this maybe this is my job. He ended up, thankfully, coming through that just fine. And I finished my BSN online. I was able to get a job in the hospital up there on a med surge unit, loved it, had great experience. I felt after about a year, or so I started getting comfortable and I thought, man, I want more, but I don't know what that is just yet. I felt out the endoscopy unit in the hospital and that's where I came across the CRNA. No idea they even existed prior to that point. And the guy's name, he was David. He said to me, man, you should. You should really think about going on to school, and I can't go on to school. I'm not. I can't do that. I'm not smart enough. There's no way. He's like, no. It just takes dedication. Just go on. You can do it. I thought, oh, I don't know. But at the time, my husband actually he had an opportunity to move jobs, and that took us down to the Quad Cities. In we lived on the Iowa side. I thought, well, I'll apply to the ICU and. If I get in to the ICU, there's my sign. Maybe I'll take it, apply, you know, see where that goes. And then I got in and I thought, oh crap. (laughs) I guess this is maybe going to happen. So got my experience in there for a couple of years, about two years or so, two and a half. And in the meantime, did the CCRN and those things. We started trying for a family, probably the, Shortly after we moved to Iowa. So it had been, I don't know, about, we were going on about two years and we were running into some fertility issues. And surprisingly, it wasn't on his end of things, it was on my end of things. So I, again, I just kept going forward because it's like, as long as you got something to look forward to, you can kind of just move through anything. So kept working, applied to the program, and lo and behold, ended up pregnant, and got an interview for the program. And similar to Cynthia, I was 32, 34 weeks pregnant somewhere in that area, and there was no hiding it. (laughs) It's kind of like the white elephant in the room. As soon as you walk in, everybody's eyes directly go to your stomach, and you're just like, you know, nobody can bring it up. And I probably awkwardly, I don't know if I said anything about it. I don't think I did. But I was just hoping somebody would bring it up because I thought, gosh, this is so awkward because a lot of people just kept looking down at my belly the whole time during the interview. (laughs) I thought they probably think I'm absolutely crazy for doing this, but ended up getting in. I found out I got in shortly after I had had my daughter who is now, I think Cynthia and I, we were discussing earlier. I think our daughters are maybe just like a week or two apart. So I have a little girl. Her name is Lennon she's three and a half as well once she was here I thought oh my gosh I can't do this I have to be a stay-at-home mom like i'm I'm done with nursing <laughs> this is it you know she's my life and I had a friend that was with me when I actually found out that I got into the program and she said you've got to do this you wanted to do this so here I am I decided to start the program and that was in May of 2018 that I started the program and i'll graduate May
0: 7th you guys are both, like, at the end of the tunnel. There's light ahead. Thank you. The
2: light, the light is getting brighter. It was a speck before, but now it's, like, now it's a good-sized dot. So it's, yeah. it's there. <laughs> it's so
0: surreal getting towards the end. You know, I, I remember, distinctly remember that. But like when I went to school, I was married. I planned a wedding six months from the day I was proposed to because I was going to start anesthesia school. And I didn't want to have to deal with that, you know, the like getting married. I can't even imagine dealing with a like a little one, especially a little, little one, you know, that needs so much of your attention and your time. Like, how did you guys handle that?
2: So for me, we moved to a place where I didn't like, we didn't know a soul. I think Andrew had, my husband's name is Andrew. He had one friend here, a roommate from college. But other than that, we didn't have any close friends or family. So the only way I was able to do it, I'll be honest, is because he stepped up to the plate. My husband has been my biggest cheerleader at like throughout anything that I've gone through in my life as far as school, my career, planning a family, like, you know, sometimes even like really silly stuff, like just like, you know what, no color should I paint? And he's like, oh, this one, like he's, he's just wonderful and a very patient man. <laughs> so... There were many a nights where you know he would be up late with the baby because I had to study you know and then he would wake up and drop her off at daycare and then go to his full-time job and then he would pick her up from daycare because sometimes I'd be working 12 hour shifts at the you know hospital for clinical and he would put her down and I would come home and she'd already be asleep. So you know I I mean I, I like I like to think I'm a good mom, but honestly it's you know Andrew's the the superhero behind. Cynthia comma CRNA. Like he's, he's the support system that made it happen.
3: Yeah. It's definitely a lot to juggle. I feel like on a normal day with a normal job, it's a lot to juggle, but I feel like, especially as students, I think the number one thing I tell people who want to go to CRNA school is you have to be willing to give up control of your life completely. And that's what it comes down to. And it's really difficult because you can't be like, Oh, I have a baby at home. I have to leave because they don't care and you are there for a specific reason. So it's really difficult, especially like, I feel like being a mom, having to justify that in your mind, that long-term you're doing the right thing, but in the moment it feels wrong and like unnatural and
2: awful to be leaving your kid. I totally agree. I actually had a lot of mom guilt at the beginning of the program because that was when I hadn't started clinical yet. And so as soon as I would get out of class, I would run to daycare and go pick her up. Even though like, let's say we had daycare till 6 p.m., I would run and get her at three if class was out. Like I felt guilty if she was in daycare and I was not physically in school. And so that mm-hmm. period, time period lasted for about three months. And I was like, I can't do this. I have to keep up with my schoolwork. So that was something that I, I, feel, I feel like moms, generally speaking, have this, you know, mom guilt more so than, than the dads do. But then on top of that, you compound it with your obligations from anesthesia school. And so that was something I struggled with a lot in the beginning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think hard because you go into something like this and Cynthia's, I, in I's case, we, this is our first baby. So you're kind of ignorant with both of the things going into, you know, you have no idea what it is to be a CRNA student and you have no idea what it's really like at that point, even being a mom, um, you're still figuring things out. They were only six it's old. And so you still feel very clueless in what you're doing. You know, you can get advice from people, but, and prepare as much as you think you can prepare, but you're never truly ready to tackle on both. And I went into to this program thinking I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be an A plus student. And at some point, unfortunately, one or the other is going to have to suffer. And in the beginning, I felt like both of them did. And really at some point, at every point during the program, one or the other suffered. Thankfully, I have a husband as well that I people say, How did you do it? And I'm like, my husband is a complete saint. He he really is. And he really hates me bragging on him at any point. He says he just does what he's supposed to do as a husband. But, and I know that sounds very sappy and we'll probably get nauseated to it, but it really does, you know, somebody to show up for you day in and day out throughout a program like this, especially with little ones on board to make it work.
3: Yeah. I think it's a known fact that CRNA school is quite a test to a marriage. But especially to you know a marriage that's also stressed by finances because you can't work, and then it's also stressed by the fact that you have little babies. But I mean, it's true what he says that that's what you should you know, a spouse is expected to do. but the reality is a lot of spouses wouldn't do that or don't do that or don't want to do that. And so we are very lucky that we've had very supportive spouses. And you know, in terms of like being an A plus everything all the time, That's just not possible in life in general. I think it's a good lesson. And although your kids won't remember you being in school, which is great that you did it now, I think that it's still a really good lesson to them to go after your dreams and do hard things. And it's temporary. I always try to tell myself, like people go to war for longer than I went to CRNA school, you know? And it's not nearly as bad being in CRNA school. It feels that way sometimes, but it's not. You know, so you guys did the right thing.
4: So I. I, I love that, Ellen. And Morgan, you raised a really interesting question when I was listening to you. You talked about like finding balance and finding that balance and like, you know, trying to do two things or three things in your life like healthy marriage, healthy, you know, motherhood, like relationship as a mother, and then healthy students. They're not all going to thrive at the same time. And so, you know, trying to do too many things perfectly all at once just means that none of them are done well at all. And so I'd like to know how each of you found that balance. You know, Cynthia mentioned like being able to just be okay, leaving her child at daycare for a little bit longer so she could get her study time and focus, presumably so that she could then be more attentive as a mother later. But like, how did each of you go through that process of like finding your balance? And then at the end, tell me what you want someone to get out of listening to that. If someone's listening to this, how do you want them to try to find their balance too? I think whenever I
1: started this program, well, I prior whenever I had obtained my Yes, and I showed up to class. I would listen to the lecture. I'd go home, look over my notes, and I could go in and do well on an exam. I thought I could show up to CRNA school and do the same thing. <laughs> and we showed up to, or I showed up to class on day one. And I, our our teacher at the time, she would post her lecture, and then you would show up and you'd take a quiz. And then we would discuss things that we didn't understand. I showed up day one and we had a five question quiz and I got a zero out of five on that quiz. And I remember thinking, oh my God, what have I got myself into? Because this was not just an overview of what she had talked about. This was, she was teaching advanced physiology and she wanted to know the nitty-gritty. And I thought, holy cow, you know, I don't need to know all of that. You know? <laughs> and I, it was a smack in the face. It really was. And I came home crying. I was devastated. I thought, I told my husband, I don't know what I signed up for, but I I don't think I can do this. And he said, this is what you wanted to do. This is what we decided to do and we're going to do it he's like whatever it takes like let me know what you need we're going to do it we're going to get through it and it took a while that was very hard for me that first semester of school and I think I slowly it wasn't it wasn't like a light switch went off and I just figured it out one day it took time and it took not doing well that first semester trying to keep an 85 or above you know just to keep Going on with the program and a lot of trial and error, but I realized that I had committed to this for not only myself, but now I had a family that was depending on me. And again, like you guys had said, it was temporary. Like Ellen said it's people go to war longer than what this program is. And I thought I can do this for a short time. And I just started taking at the beginning, it was such a large goal to look at. And I started condensing it. I was going to get by week to week and just start making those goals smaller and smaller. And that's what it took. I was so overwhelmed in the beginning. So I think really just shortening up those goals for you, because if you look at the long-term of things, had somebody told me back when I was an LPN that I was going to have to take to get here today, I wouldn't have, I would have been so overwhelmed and would have never even dreamt that I would have, taken this route so I think just breaking those goals up making smaller more obtainable goals figuring out how you can achieve those goals for me personally I became a lot better at time management because I knew I also felt guilty like Cynthia and I wanted to go get her from daycare early but I knew I also needed to spend that time in the library after school get some studying done instead of maybe going out to dinner with a few of the classmates that didn't have kids at the time and finding that balance. So that way on weekends, I had a couple hours here and there to spend with my family and to really soak up that time.
2: I totally agree with you, Morgan. I had kind of the same like wake up call situation um, at the beginning of the program. I found something that helped me a lot initially to try to find that balance um, was to modify my study habits. So in the past, what I was doing in school was I would record the lectures and just like, I would just sit there and just listen like the first time. And then I would go back home, re-listen to the lecture, retype my notes, and then go and do the readings. And I found that first semester that that method of studying for me was just not sustainable. So I knew I was an auditory learner and I just had to kind of modify my study planning and really use my time. Like what you mentioned earlier about the time management, just really using my time wisely um, at different pockets during the day. Like in the past, I was so used to just being like, okay, I have an exam on Friday. I'm just going to study the Saturday and Sunday before like the whole day. And that's not for me, that's not sustainable in school. So I started looking at taking smaller chunks of time, even though they may not seem like a lot, like, all right, I have an hour before I have to go get her from daycare. Let me maximize what I can do in that hour. Or here I'm at the airport, my flight's been delayed. I've got my computer with me. Let me run through some, some apex questions right now. So just any pocket of time that I found to get any kind of studying done, I did, I utilized it. So my time management skills also vastly improved from when I initially went, you know, and completed my first undergraduate degree. The second thing that really helps me with balance was very clear communication with my husband. So I would say that for anybody who's in the same situation, we are as far as being SRNAs and, you know, parents of, you know, young children is that to find a system that you can communicate things clearly with your spouse, even something as simple as like scheduling for the week, like um, my clinical site changed every two months. And so Andrew sometimes had a hard time keeping track of, you know, where I was, or if I was working at 12 or a three So something that really helped us was just like, we tried to carve out like 30 minutes on Sunday when Madison was sleeping and just like kind of laid out what our schedule was for the week, what I had as far as schoolwork, what was expected of me as far as clinical and where I was going and just having that little bit of time and that communication really helped, you know, smooth out any hiccups during the week. And then the third thing that helped me the most is actually, this is really funny, but it was a like a meme or like an infographic I saw on Facebook one day, it was in the middle of a medphys semester. And the infographic was of a woman and she was juggling balls in the air. And it was saying, yeah, I know it's funny. It was saying that there are certain balls that you drop and they break. Those are the ones that are made of glass. So like, those are the really important ones, like your family, your health, your children, you know, and then there are other balls that are made of like rubber. And if you drop those, it's okay. They'll be fine and that's different for everyone like for some people that's you know social time with their you know with their friends or like you know making homemade cupcakes for for snack sharing day that day sometimes you're going to drop some but as long as you keep the glass ones afloat like it's going to be okay and so when i saw that that really helped me kind of prioritize she's laughing that helped me prioritize exactly what i could compromise on like okay i can compromise on manicure pedicure time but i can't compromise on bedtime stories with madison so those were things that for me kind of helped me achieve this mystical work life balance that that we're all you know hoping for at the end of the day
3: both of you guys had mentioned that neither of you were interested in anesthesia when you started in nursing so can you tell our listeners kind of how you became interested in anesthesia
1: i've constant like i said at the beginning looking at goals, such large goals overwhelm me sometimes. So I think just took every step that I was doing in this nursing journey, a step at a time, a small step at a time. I always knew that I wanted to get my RN. And then once I had my RN ADN, I thought, okay, I got my feet wet. I can do this. Um, I can do the BSN again, got a little bit of experience in med surge and, needed more. I needed, I constantly needed pushed and I needed, I needed something that challenged me. And as I got more comfortable in those areas of nursing, I just kept seeking more and seeking more. I got to ICU and same thing. Um, at that point I was already, David, the CRNA head spoke to me and, you
4: know, as you're watching a CRNA, they I want to know everything. what hospital he was in. Like, cause I, I did my he, clinicals in the Twin Cities. And so. okay.
1: He was at um, St. Cloud, Minnesota at okay.
4: Centricare Hospital.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. He, and no, no, you're good. Um, so everybody, you know, watching them, they look, it looks so easy. It's like, I could do that. You know, I could sit there and give anesthesia and you have no idea.
3: I can hit a button.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I feel, um, I'm kind of embarrassed to even say that out loud now, knowing what I know, but you do at the time you look at it and they just, but you don't realize how much experience and everything, even as they're sitting there having conversations, how much you're listening to, and you know, everything that is going on with your patient at all times, even through a conversation, if you're reading continuing education, as you're sitting there and it looks like you're kicked back not a worry in the world. You know, every single sound and thing going on with your patient, with the surgeon. And I didn't realize that at the time, he just looked so relaxed. And, but I also knew he was educated. He, you know, he just constantly pushed me to, he would quiz me throughout the time that I worked with him. He'd ask certain um, questions about the procedures we were doing and I always felt so ignorant because I thought, man, he is so smart, but he encouraged me to continue going on, went to ICU. And I, again, started becoming a little bit more comfortable after a couple of years there. And I thought 30 from now, I can't see myself doing, can't see myself continuing to be challenged and loving what I'm doing right now. So that was just, it was just my thirst, which really to continue learning to continue growing. I just wanted to know more. I wanted to learn more. And then I started to appreciate the autonomy that CRNAs had and that you could still be in an environment where you are still able to utilize this critically, um, to critically think and to utilize your skills. And really that's, that's what sold me on anesthesia and I don't regret it so far. So I'm excited. I'm very, very excited to join this field. And I'm so thankful for all of the people that I've come across so far, the CRNAs that have just given me so much knowledge. You know, you just wish you could wrap all of it up and reflect on it all the time. But you take things I'm so appreciative for our program that we have because they rotate us through new sites every five weeks. And at first that seems so overwhelming, but I appreciate it so much because we got to see so many different aspects of anesthesia. We were able to see different levels of patients, demographics. And so you take a little bit from each person every day and kind of just put that in your back pocket and play the far.
0: So I know you guys touched on how you handled, you know, time management and studying and school in that way. But how did you handle, you know, like your pediatric reputation? You know, once I became a mom, I became, I was probably a softie before, but not nearly as much as I am now. And I mean, I had like a visceral reaction when I did PEDS. Like when I wake up, a you know, even a healthy BMT and they cry, I want to like kiss them, but they're not my baby. And I probably shouldn't do that. You know what I mean? So how did you do that rotation
2: as a mom I'm glad you brought that up because I struggled um, a little bit in my pizza rotation to finish uh Ellen's question real quick about just why I chose anesthesia as a field I nursing was not my first uh, degree I actually have a degree in neuroscience so my interest has always been like how does the brain work and you know how do the drugs that we do like affect the brain like how like what makes somebody get Alzheimer's and somebody not. And when I started my career as a nurse, I think I was searching for something that would like overlap those two passions of mine, neuroscience and nursing. And so I had the privilege of shadowing a acute care nurse practitioner who was a neuroscience MP and then a um, CRNA at the facility where I was at. And I think what kind of sold it for me I still remember her. Her name's Kelly. She was, you know, inducing and fixing to put the patient to sleep. And I just kind of stood there and I was like, she just put the patient's brain to sleep. Like the patient is for all intents and purposes, completely unaware of everything that's going on. They lose this two and a half hour block of time. And then you just reverse everything that and wake them back up, like you wake their brain back up. So that's what kind of sold it for me was just, you know, it combines those two interests of mine. And also, like what Morgan said, just kind of a thirst for like knowledge and to grow on, you know, my ICU experience. Anesthesia was just a really good fit. As far as the pediatric rotation, I struggled a lot in nursing school with pediatrics, um, where we would take care of, you know, kids with chronic illnesses, congenital heart defects, things like that. So I didn't so much have a reaction to things like PEDS dental or... I mean, I don't know, no, I mean, every procedure has the potential for complications, but like scheduled elective cases on healthy kids, it, it wasn't, you know, out of the ordinary for me. And we would take care of, you know, six year olds, you know, having a Fontaine procedure or like, you know, a big spine case on a 12 year old who's had scoliosis her whole life. Things like that really hit home for me. And I, sometimes I would come home and I would like cry on my way home from clinical. Cause I'd be like, I get to go home to my beautiful, healthy child. And there's another mom at the hospital who's praying her kid, you know, recovers from surgery, you know, like it just, it made me, I don't know if I have like anything that's really like a healthy coping mechanism other than just talking to my classmates and kind of working through it. But I do know that it made me very appreciative and very grateful for my healthy child and for the experiences that we've been blessed with. Because I like I don't know how these moms do it. The ones that have the kids with congenital defects, they're literal superheroes. So for me it was just as far as coping, just making sure I talked to somebody about it. Even if it was Andrew and his eyes just kind of glazed over and he's like, "Uh uh-huh, I understand. I just needed to share my feelings and put them out there. And that helped me to process everything.
1: Yeah. To add on to that, I I shared similar feelings as you, Cynthia. It definitely put things into a different perspective. Being a mom, when you told the family that you were going to take care of their child, not that you don't mean that to every single person that you're telling that to, but it made me pause every time I said that. It you know, I'm not going to make a promise to somebody that I can't keep. And so a lot of that came humility and just, um, conversations, even with my preceptors, I was, I've always been pretty vocal about, I've not been afraid to tell my preceptors what I know and don't know as far as things that I'm comfortable with. And that was a time for, I spoke up if there was anything that I felt uncomfortable with. I wanted to be sure that I let my preceptor know um because there's somebody's baby you're taking care of and it it just became so much more real being a parent yourself and you know, it, normally when I'm back there with an adult patient, I'm thinking just about that adult patient and taking care of them and tending to their needs and the whole time I'd have a child back thinking of this baby and, or this child, I'm also thinking about their family, how worried they must be right now and how concerned. And, you know, it just makes you, I I always laughed because I had an RN instructor, especially on our pediatric rotation. She would say, are your sphincters tight? They should be. (laughs) And I could hear her voice in my head the whole time on my pediatric rotation. I thought, I sphincters are tight. <laughs> like, I am nervous, like, but it I would get there so early in the mornings for those rotations and I calculate their dosages and I would set up for probably excessively to where to the point that my preceptors were probably like, oh my god, I'm with Morgan today. <laughs> I would set up all 10 cases if we had 10 cases that day and stuff them away somewhere where they couldn't see, but I'd have the little blue towels rolled up with every size of everything that I thought they would need. I tape, you know, their, their age, their weight on the outside. I'd have their doses calculated. I'd probably do that two or three times before 6.00 AM that morning, just to make sure I wasn't going to make any mistakes that could be prevented. So I think just taking your time with those patients, I don't know. It just made me appreciate appreciate those pediatric CRNAs
0: a whole lot more. It's a special kind for sure. Absolutely. They're very special. Absolutely.
4: So we're getting close to the end of this episode and you know, you ladies have been just awesome sharing your stories and your experiences. And I mean, you're both so incredibly strong in, I can tell that you're both very good students. Like just talking to you, like I know what kind of students you are. (laughs) Is there anything that you would want to tell the person listening to this podcast who maybe wants to go to CRNA school, but also wants to start a family right now, or has already started a family and thinks, gosh, maybe it's off the table for me. Like, what do you want to tell her or him if they're listening?
1: I think the best advice I ever received was someone telling me, it's not about how smart you are. It's how much dedication you put into this. Many of times I felt like, like I was putting in hours more than maybe some of my classmates just to get the same grade on an exam, but that's what it takes. It just takes dedication. It just takes time. It takes grace. You have to be have grace for yourself, grace for your family that's helping you out. They're not always going to get things right. We're type A personalities, so we want to do everything ourselves all the time, if that means dress for daycare sometimes you have to send them in striped pants that dad put them in and floral shirts and you got to be okay with it <laughs> the
2: overalls yeah. with no shirt just the overalls
1: <laughs> no that's a couple thing times made. mine sent her to daycare with the shorts that have like the built-in underwear but he wouldn't put any underwear on her because he didn't think that needed to be <laughs> they had built in so <laughs> Choose potty training
0: too at the time. Valid,
3: valid, so. you know, <laughs> it's built in. Why would it be built in if it wasn't to be
0: used? Right. I mean, my husband sent he, her in a bathing suit top <laughs> that was like, oh, man. size is too small. <laughs> <laughs> like what? For <laughs> <laughs> your mind. Well, and then today, that, I, I picked her up from school today, and he got her ready this morning, and she had my socks on. Like, <laughs> Kids, look who <what> Daddy got <laughs> me I'm like, those
1: <laughs> are my Oh man, six or maybe seven. <laughs> oh, sweet. Hi. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, I think just having grace with your family they're they're trying their hardest too. You know they they want to see you succeed. They they want to succeed in this too. So having grace for people around you that are willing to help. I think that's the biggest thing is just having. Grace for yourself, grace for your family. Patience, take one thing at a time. You know, don't look at it as one giant goal. Try to take small baby steps. And I think anybody can do this. They really can. If you have the motivation to continue on and you have a true thirst for knowledge and you want to continue to grow, you can do it. I have several classmates who even have children that are in middle school and high school and I think their journey in this has been 10 times harder than mine.
3: Yeah because there's so much that they're missing.
1: Yeah they're busy with sports their kids can tell them you know they are like mom you're never here you're always studying. I've taken that for granted at times that mine just doesn't care. As long as she's got she know. You know, a snack in front of her <laughs> or, you know, a ball to play with, she's good. So I think just having that strong support system, whether that's a daycare, somebody to fall back on that can take your kid even when they're sick. That's been something that I've taken probably for granted too many times with my husband that his flexibility. Job has been able to cover us so many times that I didn't have to worry about that when I went to clinical. You know, whether it's family nearby, a friend, whoever, just get that strong support system. And if you want to do it, just put your head down, know that it's short term, the days are long, but the years go by quick. And I feel like it was just yesterday that I was in that interview room with that big old belly. <laughs> and <laughs> Now we're here, and I used to think I can't imagine what she'll be like when she's three and a half, and I'm graduating, and here we are, and it's went by so quick. So the time's going to pass anyways. If you want to do it, you can do it.
4: Yeah, Cynthia, do you want to answer the question too? What would you advice? Would you give to the you know person listening to this podcast who wants to do this but maybe has started their family and thinks it's off the table?
2: I mean, my advice isn't really earth shattering. It's just kind of just to piggyback on what Morgan said was just to give yourself some grace and just do it. It's kind of like starting a family, I think. Like, I don't think the timing is ever quite right. I don't think you ever feel totally 100% ready to be a parent. And I felt a a similar way about CRNA school. I didn't really feel 100% ready to go, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it because in the short time that I've been in this field, I have never met a CRNA who says, I regret going to CRNA school. It was a bad choice. Every single one of them has said, I love my job. There are times when it's not perfect, but I love it. I can provide a good life for my family. I take care of my patients and I have a lot of autonomy doing it. And it's, it's fun. Like anesthesia is a little, a little bit like magic, you know, like we put them to sleep and then we wake them back up. And so I just, my best advice is just to tell that person, to just do it. And the worst thing that happens is you, you know, what's the worst that can happen? If you don't get in, you just apply again. Like, you know, I I don't see a a downside into into trying.
0: So you ladies are literally weeks away from graduating. How do you intend on celebrating? So
2: I'm probably going to take a really long nap (laughs) the day after my last day of clinical. Like I'm going to take like, like my husband's going to drop Madison off at daycare and I'm going to take a nap. And I'm going (laughs) to not set the alarm and wake up when I want to wake up. So that will be a celebration. Morgan, I don't know what um, your program's doing as far as graduation, but here in New Orleans, we are still restricted in some, some shape or form due to COVID. So we're having a, a virtual graduation via zoom, but I will be celebrating in a COVID friendly fashion with my, my extended family is coming to, to visit for a weekend. And so we'll, Go out somewhere with a nice patio to eat dinner and just you know enjoy each other's company and I'll wear my cap and gown again around it. It's right behind me. Like Aww, <laughs> I might just wear it around Aww. the house. <laughs> yeah, so you rock it. You are yeah, just you know, <laughs> you know, do, do the best I can and keep, you know, that spirit, even though it's it's kind of a strange time to be graduating. Very what about you, Morgan?
1: Um, So I actually finished clinical on April 1st was my last day. We, with COVID, we went through breaks this year. So just to anticipate if any of us were to get COVID or if another um, shutdown would happen, that we kind of had that, I kind of built that in for a cushion. So some of my classmates are still in clinical right now, but thankfully my last day was April 1st which I kept thinking, somebody's going to tell me (laughs) it's April Fools, but nobody came after me. So I did take a long nap after that, Cynthia, but we have graduation May 7th and I have some family and close friends coming to celebrate with me that weekend. And we thankfully get to, we do get to have a ceremony, an in-person ceremony. We are restricted to two people, To invite to that, but I still feel very fortunate that we are able to have an in person graduation. So it still doesn't feel real, I think, because it won't feel real until boards are over. It's still that constant pressure. And I'm right in the middle of my Apex study plan, studying for boards. And so I still feel like there's a long, long road, even though it's really not that long. So I'll just keep, keep trying to study until that day. And then I feel like the real celebration will happen after afterwards. <laughs> but I agree. I'm looking forward to the big, um, I'm still looking forward to graduation. I received my cap and gown a couple weeks ago and I put it on. And I told my husband, I was like, I think I'm just going to sleep in this every night.
0: <laughs> so it's well-deserved. You both deserve it.
4: Congratulations, you. ladies. You've worked thank so you. hard and the light is bright at the end of that tunnel now. <laughs> it is. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing your experiences. And we're really grateful to have such a strong SRNA presence in our CRNA moms community to remind us of, I feel like, the struggles that we went through to get to the point that we are right now where we can have a big thread on how to spend money. Yes. <laughs>
2: When we have money to spend again, Morgan, yes
1: <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of things saved on my Amazon account, and Wari joggers are number one on the list <laughs> at some
0: point. <laughs> That's what you'll be napping in. so
4: yes, yeah this kind of wraps up our podcast, and so thank you again, ladies, for coming on we really appreciate all of our listeners and want to thank you all for hanging with us here. If you have an opportunity, we would really appreciate a rate review and share our podcast on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. We love reading the reviews. We love it when you guys send us messages and we read them, we share them and we get a little giddy between the three of us about somebody messaged us. Yay. So send us those messages, rate, review, share a podcast with, um, Another CRNA, SRNA mama who would really appreciate this episode. And you can follow us on Instagram at Hey Smart Mamas. You can find us on Facebook. Our page is Scrubcats and Sippy Cups. And then are we still on Twitter? We have a spot. (laughs) (laughs) We are not big tweeters. (laughs) Yeah. I'm
0: not very good at tweeting.
4: You can find Crystal at STL underscore injector. You can find Ellen at Ellen Loletta. and you can find me on Instagram at Ms. Lacey Lee. Morgan and Cynthia, where can
2: our listeners find you on social if they want to follow you along? Sure. Um, So on Facebook, I'm Cynthia Shen and then parentheses win, um, my maiden name. And then on Instagram, um, it's really silly. It's the same Instagram handle I've had forever, but it's, furtail one four zero zero five f-u-r-t-a-i-l one four zero zero five
1: nice and i'm on facebook at morgan fitter and on instagram at Morg fitter with a lot of er's at the end (laughs) (laughs) i think as long as you keep typing them in they'll i'll pop up on there awesome
0: oh and we love We love your topic ideas. Whenever you guys message us and reach out and and let us know what you want to hear us talk about and what kind of content you'd like us to cover and what guests you'd like us to have on, we love to hear from you. And we have some pretty cool guests coming up. Not going to give anything away, but it's going to be good.
4: Yes, we do. And a lot of these topics that are super cool are the ones that were suggested by our audience, right, Crystal? Mm -hmm. Yep. So awesome. Keep those ideas coming. Well, thanks for hanging with us, ladies. And we're so excited to have you on and congratulations in advance on the conclusion of this chapter and the exciting next chapter that awaits you. Thank you. I appreciate
2: that. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you.